The GameCube Was Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube Was Cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters for the month of February at the $5 or above level. I Rebel, Dan Wagner, Jed Winters, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector, Tristan Pantorato, and Wilshire. The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. You hit on an excellent point in last week's episode when we were talking about Pokemon. You you were talking a little bit about Sapphire being spelled wrong, specifically about Pokemon Sapphire because of the number of P's in, in the word. And it, it got me thinking about uh, words that are hard to spell, not because like they're difficult to spell, like there are certain words out there that are just difficult to spell, but I honestly think that words, certain words in the English language are objectively spelled wrong, and we've just accepted it as the norm because it's been around for so long. Uh, I, I thought of a couple of words here that I, I do not like because I think that they're just objectively wrong. Sure. Uh, kernel is wrong. Like C-O-L-O-N-O-L. Oh, yes. That kind of kernel. That, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That kind of kernel. Yeah. Not like a popcorn colonel. kernel. I mean like a colonel <laughs> of, a, of an army, you know. Uh, laser is another one. Like a laser beam is spelled like L-A-S-E-R. Like that, okay. that should, should 100%, be a, 100% be a Z. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and then we get into the silent letters, which bother me sometimes. Sometimes it's okay. It makes a little bit of sense. But pterodactyl is awful. Yeah, pterodactyl's got the P in front of it. That's like the Greek thing, right? Is like to have the P in front of the T. I literally think it's just that back in the day, there was no spell check. There was uh, like no red underline under words. And I think that people just wrote out words on their typewriters or with their their ink and quill, their ink and feather, if they will. And they they just accidentally misspelled kernel or someone misread it. And then it just became a part of history. So uh, that must have happened with pterodactyl as well. Uh, Another silent letter in here, but I've always hated the spelling of scissors just because of that silent C. Skeezors. Skeezors, yeah. And a bit more uh, topical uh, word is visor with the p same thing with the pterodactyl silent p's can just go go right away yeah silent p's are weird uh another word i hate neil is knoll knoll is a horrible word it's k-n-o-l-l you know on the grassy knoll yeah it's uh that's just a a really crappy word i'm playing this game maybe some of our listeners are also playing it it's called wordle it's a Mm. thing that's going around the interwebs lately it's Mm -hmm. uh you basically have to Guess guess the word, uh, and it's always five letters, and you can only use five-letter words to try and guess that word. So, for example, you can start with the word um, nears. That's a good one because it's like N-E-A-R-S. It's like Wheel of Fortune. You can kind of cancel out which letters aren't in there. Nears has E-A-R and S, which are like the most used letters in the English alphabet. (laughs) Uh, And then from there, you kind of see it's like it'll show you if you got some right in the right place and if you got some right but not in the right place. And then so it's kind it's kind of like hangman. Exactly. Yeah. It's like it's like a like a hangman, but just with five five letter words. And uh, the other day, null was the word. And I could not figure that one out for the life of me because I'm like, what? What word does not have any vowels, basically, other than O, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and is not using S, R, T, E, A, I, O, like, like you? Like, it's crazy. 
Yeah, I can't imagine playing Wordle and like having English as a second language. This is why I always agree when people say English is a hard language to learn. Some people think that that's crazy. I think you're crazy for thinking that English is easy. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard that Wordle is being compared to like. You remember how bread making was like the the, the lockdown trend of 2020? <laughs> Wordle is the 2022 version of uh, bread making. Sick, sick. Yeah, very good. Neil, I was over at my cousin's the other day, and he received a game for Christmas uh, last year or the year before called American Ninja Warrior, uh, which is the based <laughs> on the hit uh, TV program. And okay. he said it was the worst game he's ever played. Not too surprising. And I, you know, I was like, well, please, uh, we do a GameCube podcast. We played a lot of really bad games on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played just a lot of bad games in general in my life. There's no way this is the worst one. And I don't think it's the worst one. But it's pretty okay. close because it's almost like you can't even get past the first round. Oh, no. It's it's one of the classic games where you're like, it's almost like a rhythm game. The button prompts come up and you just have to press them to make sure that you j- j- vault over stuff. And, you know, it's like mm. playing Wipeout, but only with uh, with button prompts. Is it not a motion game? Like, I, I, no. I would think that there would be the perfect, like, Ring Fit clone. Dude, this was, like, made <laughs> in the, the, like, like the most budget title I've ever seen. Like, the graphics oh. are... It, it looks like an AI-made game. Like, an AI-generated oh, no. game. <laughs> is there dialogue or anything? Like, do the characters talk, or is it all just... There's, a, there's an announcer who... who oh. uh, or two announcers who have, like, maybe three minutes of dialogue. Great. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> That's too bad. I, I occasionally see uh, video games based on game shows. Now, there's the obvious ones like Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, trivia-based games. They translate really well to video games because they're just word-based. You can quickly grab grab a controller and play. It's easy. It's the physical games that really get me, like Biggest Loser on Wii or like there's a Wipeout <laughs> game on Wii U. Like, how does this work? Like, how would this even – this makes no sense. Like, Ninja Warrior is a game that's very – like a vertical game – like a physical game, very vertical game. You're jumping on platforms, and I think that's the game I'm thinking of. I've never seen the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how, how do you play this in a video game without it being like a Ring Fit Adventure where you have some kind of a tool and the the Joy-Cons are tracking your movement? It makes no sense. I but wish it's I had button that. Prompts. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. More games, like, more games should be copying Ring Fit Adventure right now because that game's hard to find, and it's really good. Yeah, no, it honestly is. And speaking of good things, Neil, I got two new Lego sets uh, last week, which I'm really excited about. And the one that Mm. I'm super excited about is the Seinfeld Lego set. Obviously, you and I are huge Seinfeld nerds, and um, Mm -hmm. we uh, have loved the show forever. And uh, now I can play with uh, a little Lego Jerry and create my own episodes. (laughs) There's even Lego Newman in it. And it's so good. The set is amazing. It was so much fun to build. There were so many like little small details I didn't notice until I really looked at it hard. It was like, oh, that's so cool. So yeah, it's Mm -hmm. uh, a huge recommendation and I'm very happy. I think I need to pick it up. Like you, so you showed me pictures, and like they even got the detail down for like the apartment door. The, it's got his apartment yeah. number on it. The bike hanging in the background <laughs> is there. Little stickers on the fridge that resemble the magnets from the show. It looks so cool. I'm really happy that these type of types of Lego sets exist. That it's not all just. You know, sometimes you go to Lego stores or Lego aisles in Walmart or Toys R Us, and it's all Star Wars. It's all Batman. It's all Jurassic Park, which is random. <laughs> uh, I love these little one-offs. Yeah. Like, uh, like maybe five or six years ago, we got some Scooby-Doo sets, which I have, the Scooby-Doo Castle, which is really cool. Uh, if you're into Friends, there's random Friends sets that come out. But there's even like these random partnerships with like Fender. Like you can get a Fender guitar Lego set too. Yeah. And an Adidas shoe. Yeah. There's like these little random one-offs. <laughs> I love stuff like that. I would love to see more Seinfeld sets. Like, like it'd be so cool if we could get like a Monk's Diner Seinfeld set or, um, or like George's Office or something. 
Lego's doing what Nintendo should. So Nintendo, mm. please take a page out of Lego's book and actually listen to your fans and create cool things. Yeah, exactly. And maybe uh, Lego, if you're listening, maybe make a Lego Seinfeld game. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, we're as close as ever as we're ever going to get to a Lego Seinfeld game. So let's keep that ball rolling. And just like keeping the ball rolling, Mike, we are going to be having our fifth annual cottage trip. Just you, me, and a couple of our friends, the boys. Every year we do this. It's uh, five, sometimes six, sometimes seven of us go away to a cottage for a week in beautiful Ontario cottage country. I'm really stoked for it. Uh, Maybe we'll record an episode from there, just like we did last year. But it ties in really well, actually, with uh, a Patreon topic for this week. So I think we'll roll right into that now. Listeners, remember, if you want to support the show on Patreon, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash cool. Supporters at the $5 or above level get their names read in the credits at the beginning of the show and the option to submit an opening topic, just like iRebel did. iRebel says, My opening topic for February is another one that requires homework, and that is another movie review. What movie? Why not a movie that made me immediately think of you guys and your friends going yearly to a cabin? Please go into this film completely blind before the review. That film is The Corridor. I can't wait to hear your guys' thoughts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is uh, there is cabins in this mm-hmm. movie. This- <laughs> it's funny. The, the cabin movie, like the bro trip cabin movie thing, is an interesting genre of film that doesn't really get made all that often. Like I think of a movie like no. Without a Paddle from back in the day with uh, – I was just thinking of Until Dawn. Until Dawn. That's a great... Like, <laughs> Which is not They a always movie. end up being horror movies because like the cabin thing, the whole Evil Dead. I don't think you can make it not a horror. Oh. Like, I'm not sure how you make it not a horror. Just everyone's happy the entire time. Well, there's The Big Chill, which is a pretty decent cabin movie too. Oh, that's true. That, that, yeah, that's a good It's point. probably one of the best ones actually. Friends getting together to go to a cottage. Yeah. I really like Cabin in the Woods. That's one that we actually watched at the cottage in year one. I don't think that you were there yet, unfortunately. I have seen it though. Yeah. Oh, it's a great movie. I love that movie. But uh, twist. It's very twisty. Yeah, this this movie, not quite as twisty. Uh, the Corridor is a movie that was made back in 2010, Mike. So we were still in high school. Uh, it has a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. I was watching this movie while playing video games. I was kind of multitasking, so I may have the plot somewhat wrong. But basically what's happened is uh, the movie starts out with this guy who's having some kind of a, a moment with his mom. She seems to be dead. He's hiding in the closet. There's clearly some... They clearly have some psychological issues. Uh, a bunch of his friends come into the house. They're visiting or something, and he straight up attacks them for, like, no reason, apparently. Uh, stabs one of the guys through the hands. It's, like, extremely graphic. They tackle him. They send him off to, like, a mental institution for a couple of years. And then when he's finally out, they decide as a reunion uh, they're going to go to a cottage that they used to go to or a cottage that used to belong to the guy's mom who died. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of the guys have kind of grown up. They're not in high school anymore. Uh, One of the guys who's like a high school jock, uh, he's lost his hair, he's fat now. Uh, The nerd is kind of like this guy who can't get his wife pregnant. Um, There's another guy who's like a struggling musician and also a bartender. So basically it's like they're all these guys who are around our age. Like they're meant to be in their late 20s now. They've all kind of established themselves in adulthood and, uh, and nothing is going well for any of them. And all at the same time, they've discovered this kind of Twilight Zone corridor thing that that's like this clear shield that kind of I don't even know what it just yeah, makes them go I, insane yeah. and uh and then they all start kind of killing each other and the ending is very weird it's a bit like a it's not a black mirror episode but it does have an ending that's kind of like makes you think like what's going on here so that was my best interpretation of it it was it's not exactly how we visit cottages per se but there is a scene where they play guitar together and there's a crokinole board 
Yeah, I oh my god, I when I saw the crocodile board, I went nuts. I was like, oh look, it's yeah, a, it's because it is it is a Canadian movie, by the way. So oh. maybe that's why Arabelle thought of us because uh, uh, yeah, it's, mm. it is a Canadian movie. Maybe I would never go to a cabin in the woods in the winter time. We've never done that. We always do summer, especially in Canada. Like there's with with friends, like you can't really go anywhere. You can't go outside. So really, your only your only thing to do is to play games all day, which is fine. But we like to go in the water, obviously. Yeah, yeah, and do other things, and then not be inside the entire time with the same people, because yeah. you will go crazy like these people did. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of reminded me a little bit about, um, there's a movie called uh, Stalker, and but it's actually mm. a really good movie. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's got a similar idea where there's um, there's like a zone, it's called The Zone, and, and it kind of makes people do different things and stuff like that. It's, it's much more subtle, and you don't really see what's going on, okay. uh, where this one definitely was like, super overacted mm, yeah <laughs> uh I, you know it's like an indie film i get it yeah. it's uh at first i wasn't sure i'm like is this gonna be like a bad good movie is this gonna be like a movie that's trying to be the room like trying to be like bad but also funny because there's moments where they're clearly trying to like have a lot of humor in it yeah um and like yeah there's a lot of weird side plots like you said with the guy uh, trying to get his uh, girlfriend or is it's is his wife? Yeah, uh, his wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like that, that was like such a weird uh, side plot that they they brought in. I was like, why is? And then never came back. So no, not really. I mean, they all kind of they all have their own issues. Like there was the the one that was interesting to me was the uh, the high school jock who like was watching old football tapes. Which yeah, uh, I don't know if we've ever done that at the cottage. Like watch old <laughs> YouTube videos. Luckily, we were at the age where we weren't really filming things as much in high school. We were more just taking photos, so we don't have a ton of tape of us. Uh, when we were in high school, tape's but expensive, you, Neil. tape is really expensive. Do you know anybody that like still relives like the glory days like that, like a sports and like an athlete or anybody? I don't think anyone would tell me that if they did. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, be like, you know what I did last night? Watch footage of myself in high school. I scored forty eight touchdowns that year. <laughs> what do you do now? <laughs> thinking about killing myself. <laughs> but yeah, that's the only thing I can think of whenever these movies come out. Is like we don't talk like this. Like I know that there's some kind of weird fantasy of how guys act at, at cottages together. Like we don't talk about you know poop jokes and dick jokes and like maybe we kind of you know kick each other in the back of the knee every so often to kind of like make somebody like we, we tease each other i guess a little bit here and there but like i don't feel like we talk to each other like this so it never really feels like these movies are made by somebody who actually goes on cottage trips with their friends they just make a movie based on what they imagine guys in their 20s talk about when they're on a cottage with their friends they also just don't seem to like like each other at all no well one of the guys straight up stabbed the other guy through the hand i know i know and i'm like isn't this not awkward for you to be at this cottage with your your friend or your brother or whoever and like this dude like like you now have arthritis in your hands because of this and honestly, anytime there's a scene in a movie where a knife goes through a hand or something like that, I cringe because it's like, you know, we play guitar and it's like, oh, no. So yeah. stuff uh, like that is cringy. I think also one thing I wanted to point out mm-hmm. was because uh, you know, I know I real kind of wants our review of it and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I hated the fact that there was this long like exposition of this movie. Like it's a horror movie. Just get to it. Let's go. Yeah. Like it was like the half the movie seemed like it was just this long exposition of just what was happening. Mm-hmm. Could have been accomplished in like five minutes. Like yeah. to just I don't know. I, I have an issue with uh, horror films whenever they try and bring like sci-fi into it for me. Like I love horror films where it's just yeah. somebody who's crazy. 
Like, I love that <laughs> Don't Breathe movie where it's like, this could kind of happen where it's just someone who's crazy in a house with yeah. no lights on. Once you start bringing in, like, some kind of alien life or some kind of, like, sci-fi element like this movie did, it instantly takes me out of it because I don't believe in any of these things. Like, I don't believe in possessions. I don't really believe in ghosts. Uh, aliens, like, are, are funny for me. So, like, anytime stuff like this happens, I instantly now think of it as more of a comedy film. Um, so <laughs> I would have loved it if they had just kind of gone nuts without this uh, this weird corridor thing that they were calling. That would have been just fine. One thing, though, that I will say is that the lead actor in this movie, I don't know his name in real life, uh, he would be a great Travis Barker if they ever decide to make a uh, Blink-182 biopic. Um, yes. Which would be really neat. He, uh, the entire movie, I was like, this guy just looks like a little bit of a younger Travis Barker without the tattoos. So keep his number uh, on the uh, Rolodex in case we ever need a Blink-182 movie made up. I would see that in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would enjoy that a little bit more, I definitely think. But uh, yeah, yeah, this... this, this uh, Movie, I, I can see why Iberbell thought of us for it. Mm-hmm. Canadian cottage, snow, yeah. uh, friends. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the ending was interesting. Uh, yeah. That, but uh, I don't want to spoil it in case anyone is gonna gonna watch it. Uh, it did get a thirty-two percent of Rotten Tomatoes, I yeah, think. So. That's right. Uh, yeah, that's probably around where I would give it to. Yeah, I mean, like, horror films are really hard to rate and everything. and That's the thing, And yeah. they're really hard to end, too. Like, ending of horror films are really difficult. Sometimes they never, they don't end when they should. Sometimes they go on a bit too long. Yeah. Comedies are the same thing. But that's a whole other topic. I, Rebel, thank you so much for that opening topic this week. And uh, Patreon supporters, remember to uh, write into us, and we will read your opening topic in one of our shows. But there is a free way to get your comment read in the intro to an episode, Mike, and that is by being a part of our favorite segment. It's time for the mailbag. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to leave us a rating or review, you can do so on whatever podcast service you listen to us on or on social media. We will read it on the show. You can also leave us a correction. We decided that that's another way to write in. Just like Mike, who wrote into us today. Rob from Project Tech Gaming says, Hey guys, huge fan of the podcast. I would love for you guys to talk about Sonic Adventure 2 Battle if you haven't already got a chance. Uh, Well, we have talked about it. A while back, like a long time ago, it feels yeah. like, Neil. <laughs> yeah. Was it like episode um, 12 or 15? So, I think 10. The oh, Dreamcast God. episode. Yeah. Dreamcast and Sonic. Uh, and I'm sure we will be mentioning it and bringing it up again when we do the second Sonic episode that we are doing at some point this year with uh, with the Sonic Heroes and Shadow the Hedgehog. Nice. You, you know, that new Sonic game actually looks pretty decent. I've seen some trailers for it. It looks like a little bit... Like, the poster, everything looks like Breath of the Wild to me now. That new Sonic, like, I saw it's, like, just this character looking out over a mountain. They did it with Pokemon Arceus, too. Like, all the covers are starting to look like Breath of the Wild. But, Rob, thank you so much for uh, for that nice comment. We're glad you're enjoying the show. Sorry we already talked about Sonic Adventure 2. We'll probably talk about it again. But let's talk about a couple games we haven't already talked about. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 83 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 373 games. You can visit thegamecubeiscool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. And Chibi Robo, he helped out. Oh, that's good. Glad to, mm-hmm. glad to see he's getting some work these days. Last week, we talked about Pokemon Coliseum and XD Gale of Darkness, as well as a bunch of other Pokemon memories, as well as some of the new things that we've uh, discovered about Pokemon with some of our friends. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we're talking about some exclusive robo-games for the GameCube that were left to die on the GameCube as well. We're mm-hmm. talking about Chibi Robo and Custom Robo. Yeah, uh, so these are, I'd say... 
two huge cult classic games that are often talked about a lot. They're also Nintendo published games mm-hmm. um, that, like you said, Neil, Nintendo basically left to die on the GameCube and just you had a tough time making them to begin with. Uh, and they're both, they both have Robo in the title. So we thought, <laughs> why not put both of these together? We'll talk about them. We'll bring some guests on and we'll have a good time. Yeah, exactly. They're not related. The games sound like that they could be sequels of each other. If you're yeah. not familiar with either of these games, they're not at all. They're completely different franchises. Custom Robo actually had its start back in the N64 days, I believe. And Chibi Robo, this was his first outing on the GameCube. And he wasn't exactly left to die on the GameCube. That might sound a bit too bleak. He did have a couple of games on the DS, which were terribly well taken care of, as well as a 3DS game that is somewhat considered one of the worst games on the console. So just a mishandled franchise in general. Uh, Chibi Robo, fun fact, is one of the first cult classic games that I remember coming across back in 2013 when I was getting back into collecting for the GameCube. Uh, I really wish I bought it back then because when I was like looking into games to buy, I was scooping up, you know, Metroid Prime and Wind Waker mm-hmm. and Resident Evil. I really wish I picked up uh, Chibi Robo because back then it was around or less than $100. Uh, we're going to talk about it in a, in a little bit, but that game is up. considerably more than $100 now. <laughs> so needless to say, I'm kicking myself in the you-know-where for not buying that game oof, <sighs> nine years ago now. Yeah, it's still $100 nine, nine years ago for us. Uh, that would be, I mean, it's still big money to spend on something, but uh, to spend on a GameCube game I guess, uh, would have been pretty crazy uh, at that time. But uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about you know this era so we're 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 moving past the 2002s 2003s we're in the the 2004 2005 and even 2006 era now of GameCube the the the, the second half uh, where they you know these sales considerably fell off and that's for a number of reasons that we'll talk about later but um I did want to talk about how the GameCube really was the last time Nintendo took these kind of risks, making a Chibi Robo, putting custom Robo on, publishing them, and developing them, or at least one of them uh, themselves. And that got me thinking of all, you know, what are some of the franchises that we've talked about uh, in the last 80 episodes uh, that were that were debuting basically on the GameCube? Uh, and that includes Animal Crossing, Luigi's Mansion, Eternal Darkness, Pikmin. Odama, Geist, Cubivore, Dosh and the Giant, Battalion Wars, and now these ones, uh, Chibi Robo actually debuting in Custom Robo, I believe was only on N64 in Japan. Uh, so uh, I, I'd say Custom Robo is basically a debut here as well. But yeah, so that's uh, 11 different franchises, Neil, that debuted on the GameCube. It's a lot. And even a game like F-Zero, which really came into its own on the GameCube, has been left dormant since then too. I know, like you said, it didn't start on GameCube, but it's just another one that I think of just being left in the dust here. And yeah. really, most when- of, yeah, unfortunately, most of these are have been left in the dust other than uh, Animal Crossing Luigi's Mansion. Yeah, those two are the only ones. And like Wave Race, we, we, we talk about this all the time, just games that haven't been around since then. I mean, it still happens on... Uh, current gen hardware like remember arms on switch uh like never heard of it never heard of it yeah (laughs) like we're never gonna get to see legs come out so like even even on switch you know that there's gonna be stuff that comes out that that just doesn't do well and it's not gonna see the next console generation like yokai watch on 3ds that's not gonna see a switch iteration for sure so uh it's nice to see developers trying games and trying new ideas and everything and it's it's sad that when you know, Chibi Robo comes out to no fanfare. It's it's one of the it's not the best selling game of the month when it comes out. It sells just a few tens of thousands or a hundred thousand copies, and then it's it's left behind. Uh, even though it really is a great game, it's just so sad to see that 
like there's not even an option to discover these games anymore. I think that's what's yes. that's the worst part of it to me. And we can talk about this more at the end of the episode, but <laughs> it, it would just be nice to know that like these games could at least have a chance of seeing the light of day to someone who wants to play it because I don't want to spend hundreds of dollars on these two games just to have a chance to play it where most people nowadays are going to pirate it and Nintendo doesn't have statistics to know who's pirating cu- custom robo in 2022. Um so like if they just put these games out, they can start to get some uh, get an idea of if it's time to bring them back. And I think I think both of these games would do really well, but we're getting way too ahead of ourselves now. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why don't we bring on the first caller and we'll uh, we'll start talking about Custom Robo. Sounds good, Neil. Sounds good. So joining us today is our friend of the show, Brian. And Brian, uh, just to jump right into this, I heard that you have a funny story about how Custom Robo ends. Can you, can you take us through that? Yeah. So someone actually showed me this video. Like most people who play the story mode in Custom Robo would never attempt this and they make it really difficult for you to even get this this bad ending per se but you can look it up on youtube but basically in the story you you and two of your friends are supposed to like save save the world basically you have to fight a final boss and uh before you fight it uh there's like this police chief they're like hey like we don't we can't uh, like tell you kids to like come do this but the uh, human race will be like wiped out this is actually what they say <laughs> yeah the human race will actually be wiped out if uh uh, so we would like you to come, come uh, pl- uh, fight with fight with us, but uh, we won't tell you to. And one of your friends is like, "Hey, like I'm I'm down to go. Do you want to go?" And you only have two options: you either say I'll go or I don't want to go. And if you choose I don't want to go, <laughs> your your buddy tries to like be like, "Hey, but like you know, the the universe is at stake." Like, and it goes back to this loop where you only have two choices. All you have to do is, I believe, it's like. I think you have to press I don't want to go like 15 times. Basically, he's like pleading like, you just got to choose the other option, man. Like, like don't you value like human life and all that kind of stuff. And like it, the, the entire thing, the entire exchange goes on for about like anywhere from five to 10 minutes. Wow. Uh, but basically like, yeah. So so you all you have to do is just keep spamming uh, I don't want to go for like 15 times. And uh, after it says like about a week passes and it says, yeah, like, the human race is now extinct and a ghost <laughs> of your friend uh comes on it and and says like see i told you like had you come maybe we would have saved the human race but now we're all dead congratulations and that's how the story that's so good i would love more of that in video games like like we just talked about pokemon last week and how it always seems like pokemon always steers you in the way of doing the right thing and saving the world it'd be great if you had the option of just like "Mm, no i don't think i want to like stop this terrorist organization and yeah that's the funny thing right like they present it to you in a really like way where like okay like the fate of mankind depends on it kind of like a spy spy kids thing like really like classic 2000 and stuff mm. and like most i'm assuming most kids would be like oh hell yeah we'll save the world and like like they actually call you out like don't are you like what are you a coward like <laughs> like you're not gonna like you're not gonna come fight like do all these ridiculous stuff if you're interested go on youtube just look up custom robo bad ending but uh it is on there and it's uh it's actually like quite fun it's about five to ten minutes uh, of just text. I, I can't believe i didn't find this uh when i was researching this game for this game because yeah that is insane and the fact that you have to like the fact that someone found this out yeah. is actually insane because they had to do it 15 times like i would have just <laughs> given up uh, it, it actually <laughs> might be more than 15 like wow. i don't know the rough number but it's definitely more than 10 <laughs> that's awesome I, I, I'm just upset that they call that the bad ending. Like to me, that's the good ending. That that's like <laughs> right? that's the little that's nugget like... <laughs> of gold in the, at the end of this game that you you powered through. That you happened to buy custom Robo and then you managed to get to the end. You get this fabulous ending of a video game that you don't see anywhere else. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. 
All right, folks, uh, also joining us today is friend of the show, Jake. And so we're going to have a little combo here, Jake and Brian on to talk about custom robo. And Jake, my question to you is, uh, have you ever played other games? First of all, <laughs> thanks for having me on. And the answer is a resounding no. I live and breathe custom robo. I eat copies of custom robo GameCube discs in my cereal. I ground them up. I inject mm. custom robo directly into my veins. Uh, nice. So I'm really happy to be here to talk about my favorite Blockbuster rental game of all time. <laughs> this would be the game that someone would rent from Blockbuster. And before we dive into the discussions of this game, uh, Neil, why don't you give us uh, the stats on this? Sure thing. Custom Robo was released on May 10th, 2004. It's developed by Noise and Nintendo EAD. It's published by Nintendo. This was a GameCube exclusive. It rated 6.5 out of 10, priced today at about $100. This would be an RPG slash fighter brawler game. It's a game where you're fighting toy robots. It's a ton of fun. Unfortunately, that did not uh, translate well to sales. This game sold uh, pretty abysmally, actually. And like copies of this game only sold like 60,000 units in Japan in the first week of uh, it being out, which is not good. And uh, it's kind of hard to find like total sales on GameCube, but just by going from game shop to game shop, never seeing this game, you can only imagine it was probably pretty bad. And uh, the robot fans out there did not pick it up, but uh, Brian and Jake did, whether or not back in the day or way later on, they did play this game, and that's why we have them on today. That's right. And so let's start off with Brian. Brian, what's your first kind of touchstone with this uh, franchise? When did you first come across this and how? Yeah, I had a, a friend of mine actually had it. Uh, for whatever reason, and I never heard of this game in my life. But when I went over, he was like, "Hey, you want to play Custom Robo?" I was like, "Okay." And at the time, like Metabots was like a big thing over here, and um, just the fact that you can customize like parts in Metabots to fight and whatever, like it, it was like a kind of similar to that, except in video game form. And so that really resonated with me. Uh, and the customization in this game is also like you can customize like a lot. Uh, there's a lot of different parts and they actually all like the, the detail and the graphics in this game are actually like still pretty good, mm -hmm. especially for a GameCube. So, uh, so stuff like that, the, just like the detail and the, and the, uh, the level of modification really, uh, resonated with me and the fact that you could just take that in and fight in an arena with, uh, with your friends. So it was like a cool alternative, especially when everyone in GameCube, like on a GameCube was playing Smash and everything. You could also play custom Robo and play with your friends in, in a competitive environment as well. And Custom Robo, of course, is at Evo every year, just like Smash. Uh, uh, they just... do have competitive <laughs> tournaments for Custom Robo. That is a real thing. Uh, they actually played a LAN in 2019. I think that was the last one. Hey. Um, uh, and there actually is a, like an online competitive community. So I think you can play multiplayer on Dolphin. And, and Brian, uh, you were very surprised to hear that Jake, friend of the show, was coming on today. And you said to me that you were stunned that Jake has even played this game. Uh, I'm, I'm not, like, entirely surprised, but, like, yeah, like, this game is not very popular, so, like, you had to somehow either, A, rent it from Blockbuster, or somehow convince your mom to, like, buy you this obscure game that, like, nobody probably even knew, and like you guys said, like, you couldn't even find it at a GameStop or, or any game, so. You know, put yourself in, in, the, in the correct time period. This was on the golden age of YTV. You had stuff like uh, uh, Gundam Wing airing later at night, uh, and so walking by the shelf as a kid and seeing this cool mecha game, you'd be like, okay, you know, I'm, I've been introduced to the concept of mechs. Uh, you know, I'm down to rent this. Uh, so it really was a spur of the moment decision. But over time, like, I, I can tell you that I would go back weekend after weekend and just rent it because <laughs> the way it was structured, the way the game was built, made it the perfect weekend rental. And it perhaps did not translate as well to a full-time buy. Mm -hmm. I think that might explain a little bit as to why the sales are so abysmal, because mm -hmm. once you rented it for that weekend, you were you were good. 
this is what made people not buy it was the fact that you could just rent this game forever. So Blockbuster is to blame. What's funny is that when this game finally came out in North America back in 2004, this, this was the fourth game in the series. Uh, the, the first couple were uh, in, were Japan exclusives. They were on the N64. Uh, the game was actually teased in a, in a North American version of Nintendo Power for the N64, but it never came out until the GameCube, which in 2004 GameCube, this is like Mike said at the beginning of the episode, like we're halfway through the GameCube's lifespan now. Sales are declining. Uh, it's too bad that it had to come out at this point point but like consoles weren't selling anymore so like this random game coming out of japan it's the fourth game in the series not going to do super well there was a game boy advance game as well which was also on game boy or had which no was idea. also <laughs> japanese exclusive no you would you wouldn't have any idea there because it's like it's in a different language it's in a different country and then there's of course the uh, the ds game custom robo arena was the last game that we saw in the series which was i believe in 2006 and 2006 is also when the first game was believe it or not it was released in china on the iq player which is basically their n64 like that there's this <laughs> random console that was released in china in 2006 it's like a little handheld n64 thing that i think you plug into your tv it looks like an n64 controller that got 14 games like f-zero <laughs> mario 64 yoshi's island just like random games and custom robo the first custom robo game was on it it's just random wow uh, I, yeah. I don't know what to say. That is, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's a motley assortment that's, of titles. That's fun fact of the day kind of thing. <laughs> Just the console itself, the fact that it exists. Right? No kidding. But yeah, Custom Robo was a unique little robot game. You're basically fighting with these little tiny mechs. Like, they're not giant mechs like Gundams or anything. These things are actually only, like, a few centimeters tall. They're, like, the size of a ruler, like, 30 centimeters. But I really want to know, like, what made Custom Robo unique to other mech games? Because there were a lot of different ones back in the day, like Metabots and stuff. I think for me, it's it's you actually have to go a little bit farther back in the pipeline, and then uh, where I want to tie this back into is that one of the if you talk to anyone who who follows mechs or who follows the history of arcade games, a name that will come up a lot is Virtua on, which was sort of a, a one of the first or the first or the most prominent 3D mecha fighting game, and you can actually draw a lot of parallels to that game in Custom Robo. The only difference being Custom Robo changed the view to a more uh, isometric view. Uh, but it, it's really I, I now looking back on it. Of course, I didn't. I had no idea what Virtual On was at the time. But looking back on it now, I'm like, huh? They really just kind of adapted Virtual On, this this Japanese arcade uh, classic, uh, and they brought it to the GameCube. Hmm, that's really interesting. Yeah, I didn't. I had no idea. Brian, did you know about this? Uh, I mean, I, I am aware of Virtual On. I've never I've never actually played that game before. Um, like we both have played like the Gundam Versus series, but like outside of that, uh, I haven't played. Like too many of this, uh, those kind of things in this space. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting that you know you, you obviously Gundam has been brought up already a bunch. It's interesting that Gundam was not on the GameCube in North America at all. Uh, there were Gundam GameCube games that came out, uh, but Japanese only. Uh, the mechs that we got, we we talked about mech games in another episode. Uh, we got uh, Metabots Infinity, we got Gotcha Force, and we also got Zoids Battle Legends, which uh, right. uh, we're all okay games i think metabots is the one that i remember and neil remembers the most for sure but yeah because because we had the tv show that was probably why exactly stood out more yeah but it was just me, weird that we didn't get gundam at all on gamecube north america yeah that was a huge miss i think that what made custom robo stand out from some of the other mech games again not having played any of the mech games was just seeing how much customizable or how customizable the robots were in this game. Like, you get a chance before every battle to customize your robots. You can change their body, their arms, their backpacks, their legs. And there's, like, 
hundreds of thousands of different combinations. It was really cool to like be able to really feel like the robot that you're fighting with was truly your own. You're fighting with it on screen. It's not like an RP a turn-based RPG where you know you fire your cannon and oh it missed. Sorry. Uh, you actually got to like go around and fight in the arena, which was which was really neat. But with with so much customization and seeing like how every gun just seemed to be like a different size or a different shape or a different color. Uh, Brian or Jake, I don't know. Do you guys did you guys find that the level of customization made a difference? Like like after a while, did it not just seem like the weapons were so slightly different that it didn't make a difference at all? Uh, well, I mean, some of it is actually like quite unique. I feel like I think one of them actually just shoots like it's like a bubble gun. One of them shoots like basically like bees so not everything is even bullets so i, I think like <laughs> yeah that that's, that's cool. like the that's like the funny thing about this game is that like yeah like you're shooting like ammunition but like not all of them are even just beams and and bullets or uh, of of some sort so your your mech can almost feel like a hodgepodge of just like a bunch of parts like with different colors put together but it actually does look like it feels looks and feels like your own and um it almost feels like you accomplish something where like you hey like like my friends like decided to go off and do something do something else with their robot but like i i took all this stuff and and made it mine and it's winnable like i i, I can actually win with with this customization mm -hmm. i was just gonna say i think i think what the, the customization is is what was so central to the experience and it's really what kind of salvaged the game from its own story mode mm -hmm. uh you know the story mode of, of custom robo i would say it was quite short uh it was a little bit ridiculous um <laughs> You had, you know, every, this world where every conflict is resolved by two guys standing <laughs> across from each other and, and playing with these thumb-sized robots. Uh, but really, you, and, but you had to slog through it because you had to get through, you had to unlock all the customization parts. So that way when you and three other buddies came over for that sleepover, mm -hmm. you would each have your own robot customized. You'd have the full, every option to pick from and you'd have crazy, crazy multiplayer battles with a robot that was unique to each person. Uh, and so it, it's almost like, a, you know, uh, to draw a parallel to uh, I think the last time I was on, it, it's a bit like Kirby Air Ride, where the <laughs> multiplayer, the multiplayer aspect of the game kind of took on a life of its own beyond the very subpar single player. And that's sort of where the game kind of made its name. I couldn't have said it better myself, for sure. And I because I wanted to ask, uh, we've talked some good stuff about this game already, but what were the cons of it? And obviously the single player being one of them. Uh, anything else you guys can think of that, that just was not great about this game that makes it usually a six or six and a half out of 10? Yeah, I think uh, one of the reasons it probably did have such bad reviews is what, yeah, like like outside of the story was, it was either the story or you just played multi, like played a versus mode with your friends. There was It was one yeah. or the other. And so if you didn't have friends over, all you could play was this story mode or you're playing against like CPUs and, and there's not a whole lot of value in a game where you just play, you know, one-on-one -on -one or, you know, 1v, 1v3 with just bots or, or yeah. and so if you didn't have friends over to, to come play with you, like there just wasn't enough, maybe enough content to satisfy uh, someone, especially to play full price for, for this game. I really like the part of the game, just talking about the campaign real quick. I When the characters are talking, it, there's no voice acting in this game. It's all just dialogue boxes. I actually really liked the the dialogue back and forth. That was one of the negatives that I had last week toward Colosseum and Gale of Darkness. I didn't like the dialogue back and forth between characters. But with this one, it was actually somewhat funny. Like you're dealing with this kind of burnout teenage kid who, you know, is going for a job interview or something. And his mom doesn't even know the name of the company that he's applying for. And it turns out he's applying for like some like robot fighting 
club or something <laughs> like that, which is, which is really funny. And and they even do this like thing where the, when the characters are talking, they the animation of the face changes. Like they have those little just pictures of them. Which oh they, yeah yeah. They do that in like nine nine nine, which is my only touchstone with uh, Japanese games. But I love like the the animations of the characters when their face changes, when they're panicked or when they're happy or when they're they're serious. Like I, I really love that. Like it added just a little bit more character to these to these people in the game, which was really neat. I, I love that part. Something that we barely have mentioned is the fact that this is a Nintendo published and developed game, and mm-hmm. you know this might not have been insane in two thousand four, but like can you imagine today? Nintendo 2022 publishing and developing a brand new mech game like that's or any game honestly any new IP but do you guys envision custom robo going anywhere like do you envision this IP being revived at all I'm gonna say no but I I, I think (laughs) um, I'm gonna take the optimist view and and, uh, there's a way you could do it there's a way you could bring it back uh, I think, you know, just vision, if you will, you know, you're on a, a Switch digital download title, maybe 20 or $30. That is just an expanded version of the multiplayer. Uh, and it's, you know, additional customization options that make the robots more robust. They flush out the combat system. They flush out uh, the arenas, which I, th- I felt were lacking in fidelity and detail, even for the GameCube in the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, you would get, I think you would have a lot of fun with a dedicated, you know, 3D robot arena brawler on the Switch. That is something I would, I would, you know, just get rid of the story mode because that was never the draw and just focus on the core of the experience and I, I would buy it. I think that I think they have a great opportunity to make a custom robo game on Switch, and even like like Brian said with the weapons, having like weapons that can fire bees or like like rockets that can fire certain gases or liquids. Like you can make hundreds of different wacky combinations of robots with with all of those different devices. Tie this to arms. Could be really fun. <laughs> yeah, like basically, like think of arms, like just just with having way more custom, like maybe extendable arms on your character, or or like like little Pikmin that follow you around. You can throw them at people. Like you can make like a Nintendo robot like garage kind of thing and maybe you can you can take your robot that you make on switch and battle it online like i can fight against brian or jake and maybe you can like put your robot onto your phone on an app or something like that and then you go to like with your friends you go out for sushi or whatever and you're fighting with them on the app or something like you can make it a really cool almost like a remember that show battle bots back in the day like it could almost be like that where you have like this robot that everybody knows oh neil's the one who has like little pikmin with his robots obviously <laughs> that's a neil thing to do or jake has like the kirby air ride star <laughs> under his robot. That's, that's a jake thing to do it. and like that that you can make like this little nintendo robotic <laughs> custom robo nintendo game i think that'd be a ton of fun brian has leon on his <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's I, awesome I, I summon yeah i just summon leon to help me out <laughs> brian where are you because because you're the one who said that they still have tournaments back in well uh, as of 2019 which is relatively distant recently. past yeah they, they, they might have they might have like net like uh o- online tournaments and stuff but uh yeah they, they do actually did have lands which is something that uh, surprised me and obviously it was a side tournament it's not a big it's not a big thing but there is uh, a, a small dedicated community towards uh playing custom robo online and i'm sure if you you know if you looked it up on and you could probably do it on dolphin just like uh, how other people do it for mul- multiplayer environments for for different games yeah yeah i think it it, it kind of pains me and this is the theme of this episode because we're also talking about chibi robo later on today uh the, the the theme of this episode is really just like 
franchises that didn't get a great go at it because of Nintendo just being Nintendo for the most part and, uh, you know, taking a risk, but then kind of backing off immediately, <laughs> which was the Nintendo way in the GameCube era. Um, and obviously this didn't have great sales, so that was the big reason why. But it's just too bad that it was a Nintendo published and developed game. And Nintendo didn't really have any sort of crossover at all. You know, I'm not saying put Mario in a mech, but, like, at least have something <laughs> in there, right? Like, even 1080 Avalanche had, like, like ice sculptures of Mario going down the uh, the hills and stuff like that, right? So that, yeah. I would have liked something, some kind of tie-in. Yeah, the Nintendo charm is definitely missing from this game that they just didn't bring to it like they do with, like, Pikmin was a new series back back in the GameCube generation or Splatoon. Uh, they, they just wanted this one time try and then they were done with it, unfortunately. But yeah, at least we at least we got this one game and it's pretty decent. And then the one DS game that came after it, which Jake said is the only other game that he's played. That's that's the other game he eats for breakfast. That's, that's right. <laughs> uh, Brian, Jake, do you guys have anything else to say before we let you go for today? Uh, if you've never played this game, I, I would encourage you to try it out. Um, like I mentioned before, you can you can do it on Dolphin as well. And uh you know, try your hand at playing against someone else. That's probably the only way you could probably play Custom Robo to its fullest extent at this point. But uh, the female friend in this game is also funny. It looks like Hatsune Miku, but Hatsune Miku wasn't even like created yet at that point. She just looks like it. it's really. I like really your. Weird. I like the, the the buddy Harry because he looks like like the front page character on like how to draw anime. You'd find it like Indigo or like, the Scholastic. <laughs> yeah. So Harry Harry is a guy that tries to convince you to like come along to the final boss, and he's the one that scolds you on like, you know. Not saving the human race. Yeah. Also, he's got a mullet. <laughs> uh, like, why? Why wouldn't he be your best friend? Man? Also, his shoes are like size twenty-five. Oh, I love this guy. <laughs> yeah, the art direction in this game is great. Yeah, go go check out the game if you never have, or, or look up uh, look up the bad ending, like I mentioned uh, that you could on YouTube. That that thing's actually like really funny to to watch. So, uh, yeah. But thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. I would I would say this: if you have not played it. You need to book a plane ticket to Bend, Oregon, where the last blockbuster is, is still enduring. And I need you to rent this game for a weekend. What are the odds that they still hold, carry a 2004 game that you can rent? Don't doubt Blockbuster. If they can survive this long, they've got custom how many, Robo. How many custom Robo players do you think exist in Oregon? It's a thriving scene. That's where the custom <laughs> Robo World Championships are held. <laughs> but they don't call it the World Championships. They just call it the Oregon Championships. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you guys for coming on. Oh, and awesome. uh, we will see both of you at the Oregon Nationals in 2022. All right. See you there. Can't wait. Don't forget to wash your hands before you go. Cheers, guys. <laughs> bye what nice young men what nice young men thank you jake and brian for coming on today sharing some memories about this game and i guess technically this franchise but it's really just it's the game game. it's the game i know in 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 japan it was because there were other custom robos this was custom robo battle revolution Mm. in japan so uh if you've ever seen a case that has battle revolution on it that's why it's it's that but yes Uh, Custom Robo, a franchise that unfortunately has been long dormant, but I'm glad to see the Oregon Championships are at. No, (laughs) they're thriving. (laughs) Those things are thriving down there. So you guys keep it up. Please keep keep Custom Robo alive. Maybe spread it to the rest of the world. We would love to get some more robots back. I would like to see some big robot games come back. Like a couple Mm -hmm. years ago, we had Titanfall 2, which I love BT in Titanfall 2. Really good. 
I just feel like robots are just subjected to Star Wars these days, and that's it. Like, I don't really see robots in anything else anymore, which is... You got Pacific Rim. That was kind of cool. I guess. I guess those are mechs, kind of. But I le- this is what I like about uh, custom robots, that they're just little. They're just like these little tiny robots. It's very unique. It's It, it, it gave me a lot of Beyblade vibes. Yeah. Like, just like the, vi- like the whole world and everything. And, uh, and yeah, I think it's definitely worth checking out multiplayer especially we'll get to that at the end of the episode but yeah i love robots that play with scale like i like little robots i love big robots too don't get me wrong like i love pacific rim and and all those games and movies but no i I like it when these robots are like these little things that you can see a kid making in his bedroom or somebody making in a shop and they can carry him around in a bag but uh one thing that we didn't talk about with jake and brian is how the game or how the battles start out i guess and the battles mm. begin with uh, the robot being launched out of the robo cannon uh which is which is uh controlled by your control stick very beyblade like uh but the robots are shot from this cannon in the form of cubes so they're actually kind of like disassembled basically and then there are six sides numbered one to six which, which designate how long a player's robo uh, has to take to transform basically uh, and you can speed this up by pressing buttons, of course, just like any other Pokemon game, basically. And mm. uh, the first robot to transform gets to attack first. So that's kind of like the coin flip right. of the uh, of the round. Uh, and then you can start attacking instantly. And thinking of robots being made of blocks and then shot from a cannon instantly brought me back to, I guess it was math class or something. Mike, we went to the same elementary school. Do you remember having like little cubes that you could kind of snap together um, they were like these little plastic block cubes that you could make. Like they looked like Rubik's cube squares. Okay. Yeah. 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 I know what you're talking about. Yep. Me and my friend, me and my, our friend Cal, our uh, mutual friend, and we were in class. We, we did this with cubes and toys in class. We made robots out of those cubes. Cause you could snap them together like Lego bricks and we would make like a little stick figure man shape. And then you'd give him an, an arm with like a gun or a sword or a shield. And those were your weapons to fight with. So Hearing this, like just like that your robot gets shot out of this cannon in cubes, I was like, wait, I, I've played this, but I played it with toys <laughs> in school. My God, yeah, that's I've that's crazy. I remember the the, the cubes or the blocks, but I never uh, created my own custom robo arenas. Oh yeah, man, we made we made gun like we made human sized guns out of those out of those cubes for fun. Like we just love building stuff and yeah, we made robots and fought with them and stuff and like rolled dice kinda like risk to show like who attacks and who defends and stuff. That's cool. Yeah, really neat. So that brought me back. But uh, I don't know, 100 bucks for Custom Robo? Maybe not, but we'll talk about that more at the end of the episode. For now, though, let's read the back of the case of Custom Robo, and then we will move on to Chippy Robo. Sounds good. All right. But first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Design your own custom robo-warrior and battle your friends in a virtual arena. Create countless robo-variations using nearly 200 specialized parts, including bodies, legs, guns, bombs, and homing pods. Set your strategy, customize your robo, and enter the Holoceum. Say robo one more time. Robo. <laughs> the back of this case is sweet, though, man. The the guns on the back, like, they all look really cool. They're colorful. They're all, like, big. Like, it's just a really nice back of the case. I love this. Uh, it shows exactly, like, a really neat robot that's been assembled. Yeah. You can't help but compare this game to Gundam, though. And I think that that's probably where they had the most issue, was just trying to stand out. Yeah, but again, we'll talk about that later, of course, in our final mm-hmm. thoughts uh, part of this episode. But let's move on to the second and last game of this episode, which is another Robo game. It's Chibi Robo, Neil. It is Chibi Robo, Mike, and Chibi Robo, Plug Into Adventure, was released on February 8th, 2006. This game was developed by Skip LTD and Bandai. 
it was published by Nintendo. This is a GameCube exclusive, but technically it was also released in Japan and Taiwan on the Wii back in 2009. This game rates an 8 out of 10. Price today, Mike, remember at the beginning of the episode, I said that I could have spent around $100 on this game. It is now priced at at least $400. You see it up there in the five to 600 sometimes uh, on eBay, which is just so depressing for me because this is at the top of my list of games that I want to buy. Uh, it's an it's a fighter, brawler, puzzle, platformer, RPG. It's kind of a tough game to really put into a into a box. This game, yeah, it's it's genreless for yeah. sure. It's 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 a it's a mesh of everything, and we will get into that with uh, our guest of the show today. Joining us for the second time on this show is at Toonie Twirls, aka Kira. And our first question for you today is: How did you first discover Chibi Robo? It was a top ten GameCube games list. I remember this was pretty high up one of my favorite YouTubers. So mm. I think I just, I kind of just got back into get, collecting GameCube games and such. So that, that was that was pretty high on my list for games I wanted to get a hold of. Mm-hmm. But of course, with the price it's at now, it, 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 <laughs> took, a, it took a bit of work. But I got, I got a copy eventually. It's, it's a German copy. It was a little bit cheaper, but not, not by much. <laughs> Do you remember what year it was that you picked it up? Um, I think it was about two-ish years ago. Two years ago. Okay, because I was telling Mike at the beginning of this episode that I, I got back into GameCube collecting in 2013 or so. And like you, this was on a lot of top 10 lists of the best GameCube games and the most obscure GameCube games because I was looking for those obscure ones. And it was around $100 Canadian, uh, which is cheap compared to the $400 plus Canadian it is now. So it's gone up about four times in the last nine years. So I'm kicking myself. I still don't have a copy either. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah. One day, one day. But uh, for those who don't, you can... I mean, I, I don't have a copy either, so I emulated this game to play it. I had actually never played this game before. Uh, and of course, I've seen it like in a thousand... Top ten list like the same as you, Kira. I see. I've seen the uh, uh, always like the. It's like oh, this is the most obscure game for the GameCube, which it really isn't. But uh, <laughs> it is one of the most obscure Nintendo published games for the GameCube. Uh, this whole episode is really focusing on on how Nintendo, you know, cr- started a lot of franchises in the GameCube era and really didn't follow through with them um, for many different reasons. But um, yeah, Chibi Robo, what what makes this game so special for you? It is so wonderfully weird. It's it's not like one genre. It's just sort of its own thing completely. Mm-hmm. And it's just like one of the first new games I got to play when I first got back into GameCube collecting. Oh, cool. And it was something that I know I would have loved as a child. Yeah, well, us, us too, for sure. Like in the sense of like, I know yeah. Neil especially, as soon as I booted up this game i knew what it was like but as soon as i booted it up i was like wow this is a neil game for sure oh my god dude it's <laughs> it's such a neil game like i'm a huge fan of pikmin and this game is sort of like pikmin in that like you're going around you're collecting these you're this little tiny guy so you're kind of like pikmin you're going around this house and picking up little household items which you do in pikmin and it's a game about like this cute little family it's like this got this little girl who's dressed like a frog they've got a weird ass looking dog uh the dad's a bit dorky the mom's like a bit serious it's a birthday party which my family did mike's totally right this is a neil game through and through (laughs) but when you start to play the game this game touches on themes that no other video game let alone no other no other nintendo game ever touches on anymore and that's things like social anxiety loneliness pollution financial stress unemployment depression and divorce yeah 
which is really weird. Like you play as this robot and everything's fun and, and chibi and, 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 you know, quirky and kooky, but like underneath there's this dysfunctional family that you're basically working for. And it's really crazy. And, and it gets into weird things too, like alien invasions and it just gets completely zany. I love it. Like you never know what's going to happen in this game, but through it all, you've got this family that you're basically trying to keep happy. Like chibi robo's entire existence is based on him collecting happy points by, by making his people happy. I love it. I feel like I should not be saying this considering it's about dysfunctional families and divorce, but the parents really remind me of my own. <laughs> <laughs> they have the same exact, because it reminds me of, because um, the dad always is always collecting toys, isn't he? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yes. And it just it drives the mom crazy because he's spending all their money. But that's kind of <laughs> like my parents, where my dad's obsessed with Star Wars. Okay. He loves buying all the figures and such. Yeah, it, it's such a relatable topic. Like it, yeah. it's crazy, and like you've never seen. And they made they made Chibi Robo games after this one, but they didn't they didn't do anything like this. Like they're not going to get too dark with it, obviously. But they made Park Patrol on DS, and then Chibi Robo Ziplash on 3DS. And I don't think like family families falling apart had anything to do with those games. <laughs> well, and it's funny because like uh, as soon as I booted up and started watching like the yeah the opening cutscene. Uh, where the the mom is yelling at the dad because he just keeps buying toys, and then he just says, "I want to spend my money on toys," and he's just like <laughs> angry. And I recently have been buying a Lego and getting back into Lego, and I just was like, "Oh my god, this is too real. <laughs> this is hitting too close to home." <laughs> Comes full circle, and it even has like a little bit of a Toy Story kind of. Uh plot to it too or like at nighttime everything that you interact with in the house like toys and uh little potted plants and whatnot like they all come to life and and even these toys have kind of struggles with each other like certain action figures are in love with dolls and you need to kind of set them up and everything like it's so crazy like you never know what's going to happen in this game next like it's really cool every single character is so memorable mm-hmm. and they all have such fun little little stories Especially the toys, they're 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 so well done in that. I mean, obviously they are like definitely Toy Story uh, based. Like there's the uh, Buzz Lightyear yeah. character, Space Hunter mm-hmm. Drake Redcrest. That's like okay, yeah. obviously this is supposed to be Buzz Lightyear. Mm-hmm. The detail, the, the the name of the game for this uh, for this game is detail. Honestly, like they they could have just made a. You know, uh, just a standard platformer almost with this same story, but they could have just done it pretty standard and no one would have blinked an eye. But instead, they went really deep into this. And my question was going to be for you, Kira, too, was how far in this game did you get? Have you like done all the side missions? Because when I was playing it, I didn't even know about like the Toy, toy Story uh, people. I got to the end of the main story. And I've done most of the side missions because I-, I played a little bit again today just to refresh my memory. Mm-hmm. I got. I finished a few more today, so I'm only missing a couple of stickers, which you get at the end of um each toy's little story sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I would like to one maybe 100% this one day. I think I definitely could. Definitely, and it, it's the perfect and it's the perfect game type that could fit so well on Switch. Like you, there's all these collectibles, all these characters to meet, all these happy points to collect. Uh, Kira, would you like to see this game be ported or remastered on Switch, or do you think that a sequel would be the better choice? Hmm. I, I I think a port would be a good place to start with and then we'd get a sequel later on once more people have been exposed to the original sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I own both, basically. <laughs> I agree 100%. Like, I would rather not spend, like, three days of work on a single game, a GameCube game, which is about what it would cost me. Uh, I don't think that that's financially smart. I would rather see this on the Switch eShop so that we can eventually get a, uh, a Chibi Robo 2, if you will. Let's just pretend like the other three games never happened. Yeah, especially Ziplash. 
Yeah, Ziplash is the one. We did get a pretty sweet amiibo out of that game, though, I will say. The pack-in uh, for that game looks pretty cool. Um, but uh, a little-known game that's going to be coming out uh, later on this year is an indie game. I believe it's currently on Steam, but it's called A Tiny Tale. Uh, it's only scheduled right now for, or sorry, it's it's called MISC, like M-I-S-C, so I guess that's like miscellaneous. Uh, a Tiny Tale is going to be released on Switch later on this year in 2022, and it's about, it's a little robot game where you're this little tiny robot and you're going around in people's backyards collecting bits and pieces, and you meet little tiny robots that, like, along the way, these little robots are made of household junk and whatnot, and it's basically a chibi robo clone that's going to be coming out. So uh, we've had some pretty good luck in the past few years with... Um, like Fast Racing RMX is a great F-Zero clone, which Mike and I both love. So as far as I'm concerned, if Nintendo aren't going to make these custom robo or these chibi robo games that we loved in this era, like I'm all for indie developers taking it on. I highly recommend you guys check out the trailer. It looks awesome. I will, definitely. There there are, like this is, you know, and I'm going to talk for, uh, at length about why this game is really, really, really good. But there are a couple of things that I don't love about it. And I think for me, at least, I was a little taken out of it with the graphics. I thought they were, like, pretty mm. bad for 2006. Like, it looked like a DS game. Yeah. and I, Obviously, like, the gameplay is great, so you forget about it, but that was one thing that I would love for them to improve on if they ever do put a um, uh, uh, a port out. But are there any other kind of cons about this game, Kira, that you could think of? I think there's an awful lot of reading, which can grate on you after a while. Yeah. I see this as someone who yeah. reads very quickly. Even so, some toys just ramble on for ages. <laughs> and you can't easily skip them either, which was a big yeah, thing exactly. for me. I was like, oh, because I'm just so used to pressing B or whatever in a lot of these games. And the fact that I couldn't do that and couldn't speed it up, yeah, it took me out of it as well. Nintendo games in general mm-hmm. are pretty bad for not having skippable cutscenes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all these, all these old games, just no. Or being able to speed up the dialogue. And I think there's just a lot of unnecessary everything like like so for example I, I what i mean by that is you know when i started this game i had like probably everyone had no idea what was going on i didn't know what to do but i was walking around just aimlessly which is okay i actually enjoy when a game doesn't hold your hand but there were a lot of just random things that would happen that had no explanation like um i don't know if you guys ever had it where like a dog dish would just fall on your head while you're charging oh um, I, I read up about that it's um if you spam through the um the dialogue really quickly when you save then that happens for some reason oh my god okay well there you go <laughs> now that's funny <laughs> i don't know how i know that <laughs> is that a bug or is that like a joke it's a joke yes yeah, it's, it's a deliberate thing oh okay yeah, that's kind of cool I, I like a uh, little cheeky stuff like that from the developers it's... but i had no idea i just was <laughs> like okay this uh there's like there's a scene or a couple of scenes i guess there's those chibi doors that you can go through, whatever they're called, mm-hmm. um, where you get coins. Uh, I don't know what's going on in those rooms. They're just like eyes looking at you. They are really freaky. I don't, it's it's like entering another dimension. It's really weird. That gave me nightmares. I was like, oh my God, this is weird. <laughs> uh, the fact that yes and no is like always an option for dialogue, even when like yes and no doesn't have to be an answer. That kind of, <laughs> I don't know if that's like yeah. a dev, like they wanted to do that on purpose or they just like didn't have time and it just you know copy and pasted that code but yeah i thought that was a little strange the original <laughs> vision of this game mike is that it was supposed to be a point and click game uh the chippy robo actually took four years to develop and bandai was supposed to be the original publisher of the game uh mm. they eventually dropped it uh, eventually it came across miyamoto's desk i suppose and he decided to become the um the associate producer of the game and 
just wanted to get the game out. His only request is that they changed it from a point-and-click adventure game to uh, more of a puzzle platformer game, uh, which is why it has a bit more of a Nintendo charm to it, I suppose. So I think that with those dialogues, that yes and no, that's probably got to do with its point-and-click roots, where point-and-click adventure games are very like yeah. linear. Like You go from one point to the next to the next, and they probably didn't have time to change the dialogue to give you multiple... Uh, He's a robot at the end of the day, so he shouldn't yeah, have, I like, I guess, full, um, like, the full ability to like come up with answers yeah, yeah. to things, right? Which is kind of cute uh, in a way. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I it's, you guys are answering all my questions, so this is good because I had a lot of questions when I was <laughs> when I was playing this game. <laughs> uh, the other thing, and I want to hear your guys' opinion on this, was the day night cycle. Mm. What did you guys think about that, and like the ability for you to also kind of choose the time? Yeah, I think the fact that you can choose kind of eliminates any issue I might have of it. I always go with the 15 minute one, which is the longest one. Yeah. Yeah. But once you get the um the little pajama costume thingy, then you can just skip to day and night. So I think at that point it's kind of just there's there's no issue there really. Yeah, I, I was gonna say the day and night cycle was like I, that was actually a point of criticism for from a lot of reviewers from back in the day where the the day and night was five minutes each. So I'm assuming that the, that these reviewers probably didn't get to the part of the game where you have the pajama suit and you can extend it out to, or they didn't know that you could extend it out to 15 minutes uh, because that was also a, a big issue with Pikmin was just the, the day-night cycle where we, you didn't play at all at night in Pikmin 1. Uh, this one you do and things change depending on day and night. Uh, I, I love the suits in this game. Like that's something that we should touch on. Like there's yes. Drake Redcrest. There's a trauma suit where he's got like bandages on his <laughs> heads. There's the ghost suit, which is my favorite one. I think it's so cute. There's a frog suit, uh, a dog suit, uh, the pajama suit, and then the super chibi robo suit. And depending on what suit you're wearing, the characters will react to you uh, based on like what you're wearing. Like if you're wearing the trauma suit, they'll think you're injured or something and, and like want to take you to the hospital or something. And it's, I love fun stuff like that where the characters actually react to your costumes, which doesn't happen all the time in modern games, especially like you can be wearing the most ridiculous getup ever, and like no one mentions it. And but <laughs> if your little robot's dressed up funny, it uh, yeah, people react. It's cute. I like that. Yeah, I love that. I love that sort of thing as well. Yeah. Do you also, Kira? Do you have also a favorite, I guess, moment or scene or like quest in this game that you did that you're like, yeah, this is this is what makes me like this game a lot. I like the one with um Princess Pitts. She's called. And, and I think he's called Moore. He's the mummy guy. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> trying to get them to fall in love. Yeah. Which is, it's just so random, but <laughs> I think it works really well. That's the whole game is just random, but works really well. That's like, yeah, that could sum up everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that it takes place in um Jenny's room as well. I think that's the best area of the house because she has that massive castle that you can climb up. Ah, oh, that's true. And like that's mm. something we haven't talked about yet is that this game is technically open world. If you can get the tools to make it an open world game, you know, and I think that is just an ingenious way to do it where you have this whole house that's basically at your disposal uh, and how each room is like pretty unique. They, they didn't just copy and paste like there are a lot of unique things in each room which I liked a lot. I, I unfortunately haven't had the chance to play any of these levels yet. I don't have like a dolphin emulator on my little laptop and I don't have Chibi Robo yet on GameCube. But I just have a question for you guys. How was it? like having to recharge Chibi Robo. I know that that was also a, uh, a negative towards the game was that it was kind of tedious to be on the, in the middle of a quest and oh, all of a sudden now you have to go charge up for a few seconds. Was that like, did that take away from the experience for you? Yeah, I kind of forgot about it because obviously your battery upgrades over time. But yeah, looking back, it was a real annoyance at first because his battery is so short. 
I didn't I didn't know I had to. You could barely do anything at first. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was running around, you know, again, beginning of the game, I went in completely blind and I saw the the numbers in the bottom right uh, corner going down. And I was like, well, I, I don't know. Is this time? Like, what is this? And so I just kind of <laughs> ignored it. And then he, he like, does this, like, the cutest but saddest, like, death animation almost. And I was like, oh, man, I guess he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it came over. Go buy another copy. Yeah, the, the, the GameCube pops the disc out for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I love that, that. I think that it's explained to you by the little robot chop helicopter guy that you have as your kind of like your Navi. He sounds like Tele- a sad... Television. Television. Mm-hmm. He sounds like sad beaker. Like he kind of does the meet meet, but he sounds a little bit... Yeah, he's like, meet 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 A little bit too depressing. But uh, I love the music in this game. And uh, the game does something kind of interesting that I, I can't think of too many games that do this, but it's almost like a rhythm game in that when... when there is like standard jazz music kind of uh, level music playing over in the overworld while you're moving around. But Chibi Robo will also make that kind of string sound like a harp being plucked as he walks. And the faster you walk, the faster the music plays. And if you stop, the music stops. Yeah, I love that. I loved it too. It was really neat. And like, I can only think of like maybe Wind Waker does something like that or like, like literally rhythm games do that, obviously. Yeah, but just anything like Wind Waker, then it's a winner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Every game should just be Wind Waker. <laughs> But it got like, it was really neat how they did that. But it was also like at times when there's a lot going on on screen, there's a lot of characters. Uh, I find that the music just got kind of a, it became a mess because you had that jazz track playing and then you had Chibi Robo's music playing and then you had the sound effects of the environment playing as well. And it just got to be a little bit too chaotic. But uh, I think that if they had a, like, I want to say a bit more development time. This game took four years to make, but I feel like if they redid this game or, or made a sequel to this game again, they could really have a good time with the music and make it a bit more fleshed out and cohesive. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, it is like it is still in that sense unique, though, like you said, which is which is really good to see. Like this whole game took so many risks and had so many unique aspects of it that it's it should be on a lot of top 10 lists to of, of games to try out that you haven't which it is already obviously and i just want to say a couple of the kind of final thoughts from my perspective here and that's just about what happened with this game so this game gets released what did you say february 2006 neil uh yeah the release of this game was february 8th 2006 so just yeah. mere nine months before the wii came out yeah, and that's, I mean, that's problem number one right there, is the fact that this game doesn't go on the Wii, even though in Japan they had this series of games for the GameCube that were ported directly onto the Wii, uh, and we got quite a few of them, like Striker's Charge is, is an example, mm-hmm. but um, we didn't get Chibi Robo on the Wii for whatever reason, uh, even though they did have it in Japan, they just did not want to bring it over to North America. That was really sad to see that Nintendo kind of screwed them over in that sense, and of course, the fact of releasing this, you know, new game on the GameCube with almost no fanfare in February, which is usually considered a, a pretty down month in terms of releasing stuff. And that was just really sad for me to see, because if you marketed this as like a Pikmin style game, the like young Neil would have been all over this. <laughs> <laughs> and and like I, I, I read a lot of stuff about how the the devs were you know were unhappy that it kind of got had to sit for so long when this game was yeah you're right neil was basically mostly developed in 2002 mm-hmm. yeah it just this is just me being sad <laughs> yeah no i i really agree because um i think it's such a shame that i didn't sell very well because it some things don't work obviously but it's just it's such a unique game with so much love put into it that it, it, it should have done better 
that's that's the thing the love that was put into it was like that's what you know it's one thing if a game doesn't sell well and it's 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 just whatever but there's just so much detail and the world is so rich in this game like i feel like i'm i'm part of the sanderson family like playing this it's (laughs) even though you are like the whole idea is that you're doing menial tasks as the robot right you're like cleaning up after them you're cleaning the dog's paw prints you're you're (laughs) like just like cleaning trash up you're you're doing all these like little chores Mm -hmm. which in theory is not fun Right. Like 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 Pikmin, too, in that sense. Right. Like the, the, the stuff you're doing in Pikmin isn't fun. Right. But it's the idea of that, like this world is so rich and created for you that you want to keep going and that you have an emotional connection to the character. Yeah. Yeah. I can't really put it into words either, but it's such a it's very peaceful and calming and just a joyful game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you're just this little robot fixing people's lives, collecting happiness points. It, like who wouldn't want that? It, it's it's like the ultimate. Yeah. It, it's Neil's dream job, really. I just want to be a little <laughs> robot making people happy. That's the best thing for me. And like we didn't we we didn't talk too much about the DS or the 3DS games, but even the sequel to to Chibi Robo on DS, which came out a few years later, uh, or even like the next year, I guess. Uh, it was in North America at least. Uh, it was exclusive to Walmart, which. Uh, mm, listeners, I if you, yeah, listeners, if you don't know Walmart for whatever reason, it's uh, this giant department <laughs> store chain that a lot of people, including my co-host Mike Lane, <laughs> choose not to shop at. And you might not live close to one too. So if you're not a Walmart shopper and you don't live close to a Walmart, you straight up could not buy the sequel or the new DS game Chibi Robo uh, Park Patrol, I think it was called, uh, at all. Uh, like. Store exclusive games is a an issue entirely. It's a death sentence. It's a death, it's a death sentence, sentence for a game. Yeah, and it's a death sentence yeah. for a series that was already on life support. So like the first two outings for this franchise were just butchered. And then I think the third the third game, the second DS game, was only a DSI game in Japan. And then the 3DS game was like a, a Metroidvania style game made by a completely different company. So really this, this and it was terrible and it was terrible yeah exactly. I, I was gonna ask you have you have you played that have you played ziplash okay i haven't played it so i shouldn't trash on it too much but <laughs> just looking at it it's it's not it's not chibi robo it's no, something no. completely different it's just using the skin of chibi robo I guess. yeah which like, why uh, would you even do that it's not even selling well <laughs> it's, it's such a weird yeah. decision no i know that was terrible we got a sweet amiibo out of it though so i guess we can we can yeah. take that and run i think a lot of people bought it took the amiibo and then traded the game into <laughs> eb games at the time just to get the amiibo which is a smart move yeah i have the amiibo but i think they really oh, saw its own layer exactly exactly <laughs> but li- like today in 2022 the only chibi robo references that you're going to find are in super smash bros ultimate as a me fighter costume as well as two different spirits in the game and that's pretty much all you're going to get from chibi robo right now unfortunately mm-hmm. That's something. So I actually learned about Chibi Robo because of Brawl. That was the, my first touchstone because there is a trophy, a Chibi Robo trophy in Brawl. Hmm. And I remember looking at that being like, what is this? <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, Neil, I think it's time for the back of the case for this lovely game. Sure. Actually, Kira, did you want to read the back of the case? You said you own it. Do you have it at arm's reach? Um, bit of an issue. Mine's in German, so that oh, oh true. Very well. <laughs> Kira, take <laughs> I, it I away. Speak, uh, German. <laughs> so wait, is the dialogue all in German in that game too? Um, no, because um, the way PAL games work is that no matter where the game's from, it'll default to whatever language your GameCube is set to. So it still oh, plays in English. Interesting. I, I, I would have a big problem then if it's <laughs> in German. Just the case is in German, but the game is uh, in English. I'm assuming. Yes, you can, you can play it in either. <laughs> All right, Mike, sounds good. Let's read the back of the case of Chibi Robo. Say hello to Chibi Robo, 
Like most families, the Sandersons bicker about money and cleaning. Unlike most families, though, they also have robotic spiders, aliens, and talking toys to worry about. Enter Chibi Robo, a tiny robot programmed to spread happiness. Join him on his quest to restore order to the Sanderson house and save the world. I forgot about the spiders. Me too. Uh, that that makes it a shooter. Also, you just <laughs> you you it becomes a shooting game. Like it's a third person shooter uh, when you have to deal with the spiders. Which I remember that part being like, oh my god, this this game has everything. It literally has everything. I love it. He cooks. He cleans. He annihilates. <laughs> <laughs> and the little spiders kind of resemble the um you know those like enemies from the new Metroid Dread game, the Emmys. They kind of look like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's the inspiration. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Kira, is there anything else you'd like to say uh, about this franchise and this game uh, before we let you go? I will say, you mentioned the DSi Japanese game, didn't mm-hmm. you? Because I know they, um, I heard that they brought the little girl back, but she's an adult now. Oh, oh that's kind of cool. And that just sound, that sounds interesting. So I really wish we'd gotten that over here. I hope oh, she's man. still a frog. <laughs> she still talks in ribbits and everything that'd be great yeah she just sits in the garden and ribbits that's what she does and her favorite game you game is ribbit king obviously <laughs> of course and of course uh kira please uh take this time to plug yourself say what you're working on we love your instagram page at toonie twirls yeah you always have great content so yeah take it away yeah i just um i post regularly about what gamecube games i'm playing i do little mini reviews and just some thoughts about gamecube so you know, if you're listening to this, you're clearly interested. So come and check it out. Nice. That's awesome. And what are you playing right now? What's your What's your game of choice at the moment? I'm playing Beyond Good and Evil for the first time, and I'm really enjoying it. Ooh, oh, sweet. Nice. I never see that game anymore at stores. I think that we haven't covered that game yet on the show. So uh, if you want to come back on for that, please let us know. We'd love to have you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. No worries. All right. No problem. Take care. Hey, bye. What a nice young lady. What a nice young lady. Thank you very much, Kira, for coming on. Toonie Twirls, again, check out her uh, Instagram account. It is fantastic. We love looking at what she's posting and what she's playing. But uh, I think we do have one more guest on today, Neil, to uh, to talk about Chibi Robo. Joining us today for the first time ever is uh, my longtime friend, Matt Widmeyer, who we've known each other now for about seven years. Never had him on the show, but we're happy to have him on today to talk about Chibi Robo. So, uh, Matt, how are you doing today? Doing good, doing good. I was eagerly awaiting this episode when you guys like first announced the mm. podcast. In the back of my mind, I was like, "There's gonna be, there's gonna be a Chibi Robo episode eventually." <laughs> mm. Yeah, that and the Mary Kate Nashley episode, right? You're really looking forward to that one. Of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, as is custom with all of our uh, guests that we have on, we have to ask you the uh, the question: Did you own a GameCube back in the day? I did. Of course, I did. All right. And uh, what, which color did you have? Did you have black, purple, silver, or the uh, the spice orange one? No, I had the uh, the silver one that came with uh, Double Dash. I think it was bundled with Double Dash, yeah. Sweet, sweet. And was that one bundled with a memory card, or did your parents have the foresight to buy that one for you as well? Uh, both, no. I, I vaguely remember opening it up, plugging it in, and playing Mario Kart, and none of it saving, and then having to go to Walmart mm. like two days later. <laughs> so that was fun. Oh, boy. Well, you were one of the unlucky ones. That's... I'd, I'd say one of the, the – that's that's the majority for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're that's part the of the experience. Here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. you gotta got to get the full GameCube experience. Yeah, I, I can't I, I can't imagine how many GameCubes were sold and the people just like thinking, I'll see this parent in about two days when they come back for the memory card. <laughs> Must have been <laughs> six out of ten parents had to have been repeats. But uh, eventually you did get that memory card, and you did eventually – pick up chibi robo did you buy that game on your own or did you get chibi robo as like a gift 
No, so I, I again, I vaguely remember uh, it was one of my friends at school who always kind of had like the inside kind of beat on video games because I remember them getting into Metal Gear when we were at a really young age, still liking Zelda and stuff. So that was kind of weird. But they were the same one that introduced me to Chibi Robo, and I, I remember picking it up, or at least my parents picking it up for me from like an EB Games like a week later. Nice. Yeah. Very similar games there, Metal Gear and uh, Chibi Robo. Exact same. Very much a Kojima experience game, yeah. Mm, nice. So what was your first impression of Chibi Robo when you, when you played it? Because this is really like a, like a cult classic today. It's, it's hundreds of dollars. I don't know if you know this, Matt, but the game price today is around $400 on eBay. So if you're ever looking for a couple bucks, I will buy Chibi Robo off you for 20 bucks. Uh, <laughs> but but, but uh, what were your first impressions of the game when you first played it? I, honestly, I was trying to rack my brain on how best to like describe the game, or at least what I can remember, because I haven't played it since. Like, I've played through it once, maybe, but I remember it has like it has a very unique charm to it. I'd say is the best way to describe it. It's it's kind of an acid trip looking back at gameplay now, but like I remember having fun, like a fond experience with it. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, we've talked about this already, but it is it, charming is the perfect word to use when describing Chibi Robo. It's got that same charm as as Nintendo brought to Pikmin as well, and you know they brought it to Chibi Robo, and unfortunately we didn't get a a, a Chibi Robo two really on a console. Uh, I mm-hmm. mean that's a whole other story, but uh, yeah. Um, uh, is there any particular mission or quest that you remember, Matt, from this? Uh, and it made that that made you think, "Wow, this is actually a really cool game." There's, it's fast and loose with the story, but just like the overall, all, like novel novelty of exploring a house at that kind of scale, I think was the biggest thing that captured me, at least. Because mm-hmm. like a couch is just a couch until you look at it from like three inches off the ground, and now it's a full obstacle to try and climb. Mm-hmm. It's, it kind of reminds me of like the uh, the Sarge's Heroes, like the Army Men games from back in the day, where they take like the ordinary the ordinary household objects and turn it into a complete adventure where the game feels like this grandiose thing but then at the end of the day you remember that you're just this 3-inch tall robot uh, exploring the house until aliens start showing up and then it just gets completely wacky um that's for me like when the game really opens up is when like you all of a sudden start like aliens start coming and <laughs> then like the toys are coming to life and everything and you have the uh the superhero costume it's it's really just the excitement of wondering what the heck is going to happen next on this acid trip of a game yeah, do you, do you remember the 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 toys, Matt? Because I was, we were talking to your guest on before about how I didn't really uh, find the toys until much later. I didn't even realize that that was a whole other plot of the game. Yeah, a lot of them are optional. If I remember, I, I remember like the the army men watching some of the gameplay. Like the army men are pretty involved, or the uh, the eggs at least, because mm-hmm. I remember the names being funny for um, free <laughs> rangers. So it's kind of a clever play on words, but yeah, like the army men were pretty involved, and the uh, the uh, superhero action figure, kind of like discount Captain Falcon, but yeah, a lot of the a lot of the toys were optional to find. I think I stumbled on a few of them, but yeah, not all of them. There was even a um, like a Lego T Rex, uh, which was very much in the style of Toy Story again. There, mm-hmm. uh, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> this is great. Yeah, there's even like a giant teddy bear and everything. It's very Toy Story esque. I can't help but compare it to that. Well, the dog too. Like yeah. that's what I thought. As soon as I saw the dog, I was like, oh my god, like this is this is Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> the dog is actually a bit of an Easter egg. Uh, the family dog Tao, which I think is a, I think that's a Bionicle, uh, is uh, <laughs> Nishi Nishi's it's his dog so the developer of the game he puts this dog it's kind of like a a mainstay in all of the games that he develops he puts like the same 
dog based on his own pet in, in other in his other games. So there's another game called Moon Remix RPG Adventure that has the exact same dog. It's just something that he carries from game to game, which is really funny. I think that that game is scary as heck, though. Uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier where the game is not quite as polished as I think we would like it to be. And the people are a bit creepy, actually. And the dog, like, has no eyelids. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't think it blinks. It just looks like a snake dog. You think it's going to come out at night and kill you? <laughs> are there are there any, you know, because obviously this is a great game with a lot of charm. Um, are there any cons you can think of for this game? Anything that you didn't like about it when you first played it? I think looking back, it might, it honestly might just be me more than the game, but it's just my, my attention span with video games might have changed. But it's like, it's the main feature, and it's also kind of the con at the same time is like the battery life, I'd say. Like, it limits mm-hmm. your scope on how much you can explore, but at the same time, it's the part that makes exploring that much more fun once you upgrade the battery and keep going. Because mm-hmm. I remember the end game, once the battery's maxed out, the novelty kind of wears off because the difficulty of exploring's gone since your health is completely full. But at the same time, it it's not like a speed run game in that essence. In like that essence, mm-hmm. that's a great point, actually. And I was gonna say too. I for me, I really hated when the game would stop and tell me to go home when I was in the middle of exploring. Uh, that was something that kind of really took me out of it. And that was when like the when the day night cycles were a thing, and you have it set to fifteen minutes, and you're like, no, but I'm I'm in the middle. Let's go. And, the, and that was something that I, I I didn't love. And yeah, if the I never got to the fact that the battery was maxed out, but I can definitely see uh, how the exploratory option would kind of go away a little bit in that sense. I think that if they were to make a or like make a proper Chibi Robo two, that's probably what they would have done. Would have been to remove that day night cycle, just like that what they did with Pikmin two. It's too bad that they didn't get a chance to really flesh out the game mechanics anymore. They did make sequels to uh, to Chibi-Robo, but the, none of them are even anywhere close to as good. Matt, did you ever buy any of those games? I don't remember if you had those in your collection, like Park Patrol on DS, or uh, you didn't get Ziplash, did you, on 3DS? No, but I, I did have Park Patrol, and I played oh. some of it. I have memories of some of it, but like like you were saying, it's it's like a tangential kind of game. Yeah. Uh, like it just it didn't have the same kind of like toy story charm as like the big buzzword for it it just didn't really capture the same kind of excitement i remember the the mm. scale and the novelty was kind of just kind of not the same yeah mm. yeah walmart exclusive too you had to go to walmart to get that one yeah there you go, <laughs> there you go. that and, that and his memory card yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was the same trip one day. that's where they get you they should come back and buy the memory card and uh and, and the next game <laughs> but chibi robo Plug-in to Adventure was featured in Mike and my favorite book, 1001 Video Games You Must Play Before You Die. Uh, Mike, did you want to read a segment from that book uh, right now? Sure, yeah, I can I can definitely do that. Right. I, I, I do love that it's, um, this is just a random aside, I love how there's an exclamation mark on Chibi-Robo, mm-hmm. and like even in the actual <laughs> title, it's like, Chibi-Robo! Yeah, it's kind of fun because like you see people spelling that like in in tweets or in like in the Facebook group, and they always write Chibi Robo. The, the true fans put the exclamation point. It makes you think that they're and yelling. the dash and the dash. Oh yeah, <laughs> punctuation is very important to us GameCube fans. Yeah, it's like a double dash. Double dash is the two exclamation marks. That's yeah. very important. It's double I'm, dash. I've never put that. Okay, I'm definitely not a double dash fan. I, guess. <laughs> I think I don't think we noticed that until we actually did the double dash episode, where we're like, "Wow, there's two exclamation points." They really were dedicated to this whole double thing. <laughs> uh, Skip's biggest little adventure focuses primarily on its shift in perspective. 
taking video games' usual epic worlds and shrinking them into a single two-bedroom family home, with his protagonist hardly more than two inches high. It's your job to keep the frayed ends of this family from unraveling farther by helping out with small chores, such as collecting discarded candy wrappers, scrubbing up dog tracks with a toothbrush, and acting as a sounding board for each family member's troubles. This is all before you inadvertently stumble into a deeper plot involving Toy Story-esque characters. Chibi Robo is one of the GameCube's best-kept secrets, not just for making skill mountains of staircases, but also for weaving an adventure out of the tangled emotions of everyday family life. They always say it so well, and <laughs> like, <laughs> like afterwards, I'm like, damn, I, I don't have anything more to say. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, we should just read that book on the podcast, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is something to, to note, too. So Skip, who is the developer who you mentioned at the very beginning there, Neil. Yeah. This is basically all they ever did. I know. Yeah, I was trying to. Th- I was trying to think like what else they have done. If I had even thought, if I if I had played any of their other games. Um, so they make a lot of art games, art style like DSI games, uh, Chibi Robo, We Play Motion, and Captain Rainbow, which that rings a bell. Captain Rainbow. I think that's the J- Japanese only title though. Still. Yeah, he kind of looks like the Tick, but with some rainbows on him. So <laughs> gotta check him out. Well, anyway, Matt, with the future of Chibi Robo, would you like to see like another game come out on Switch or a port? What do you think? Well, I'm, I don't know. I was thinking hard about that, and it's interesting because it's kind of like a time capsule game where it fits mm-hmm. the, the system and the time that it kind of came out in terms of the gameplay, and even though the graphics are a little janky, it still kind of has that charm to it. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I kind of want to keep it as like a good, wholesome memory that I have instead of like more branching games i think they they tried with like park patrol and ziplash but it, it just again wasn't the same at least for me I, mean, I know there's probably bigger and more avid gb robo fans listening but oh no they hate they hate those games even more okay say, okay I, well, they're good yeah i was gonna say did they try with ziplash did they try i don't with ziplash? Uh, i don't know i don't know i mean you got a bike in park patrol that was that was Hey, fun. That, I don't know. That's all right. What can we do with this little two-inch character? Give him a bike? I don't know. <laughs> Put him in cod? I don't know. What else can we do with this guy? I don't know. It's definitely a game worth checking out, and I don't, I don't know if I could throw around the, the E-word on the podcast, but like, it's definitely worth checking out, even though the price is so high, like emulating it, if I'm allowed mm. to say that. Oh, yeah, you definitely sure. are. Possibly. That's, how, that's yeah. how I played it. That's how I played it. Okay, yeah. perfect. <laughs> perfect. Then, yeah, it's definitely a game worth checking out, but is it worth, worth the price? Um, I mean... Neil, if you really want it, I, I'd say thirty bucks, and and it's a deal. Oh, okay. <laughs> I still I still love it, but you know, <laughs> thirty dollars. I'll definitely buy Chibi Robo for thirty dollars. Oh my god, <laughs> no, no. century. I'll borrow it from you, and that'll be more than enough. But uh, oh, there you go, Matt. Thank you so much for uh, finally coming on the show. It's been a while. I know that when we started this, you you said you wanted to be a guest, so I'm glad we could finally get you on. You're actually mm-hmm. the sole owner of a GameCube is Cool podcast T-shirt that you bought on Redbubble <laughs> before we got that cease and desist from Nintendo. So uh, <laughs> I'm proud. That- I proudly wear it and advertise it as best I can. Yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, the next time we get together, Mike and I will be sure to sign it for you finally. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> right on. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we hope to have you on again real soon. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye. See ya. See ya. What a nice young man. <laughs> what a nice young man. Why did you say it like that? Now? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Matt, for coming on today. Uh, really appreciated it. And yeah, I can't believe it was his first time on, but uh, it's crazy that he actually had this game back in the day. Kudos to his friend who was who had that inside track in the, the gaming industry. 
Yeah, it's so random. Like they like Metal Gear, and then he like Chibi Robo. Like <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's really funny. Like it's sometimes you hear people who like, yeah, you know, I play like Wii Bowling, and my other favorite game is Skyrim. Like it's just like the <laughs> weird combos of games that I love that some people uh, have. Like you and I, Mike, and a lot of listeners out there play a ton of games. But it's funny when you hear recommendations from people who like, yeah, play this amazing game, and then this random cult classic game. It's really cool. I remember when I met Matt, and he mentioned his GameCube collection, and like it was you know the regulars, the melees, the the Mario Kart and then Chibi Robo and I was like what <laughs> that is so random that's I mean even from the show Marty uh his girlfriend Kara who was on for the Ribbit King episode you know the mm-hmm. fact that she owned Ribbit King back yeah. in the day again owned all the standard kind of Nintendo games and then Ribbit King is here so yeah it's the same kind of idea these weird wacky games that uh, really hold a, a close place in a lot of people's hearts yeah, yeah, they do, they they do, and I'm I'm sad that we have to uh, we have to close out this episode now, Mike. But uh, that just about does it for all of the Robo games that Nintendo has left in the dust back in the 2000s. It's really sad to see. I guess Nintendo just hates robots. Clearly, Neil, they clearly just hate robots, uh, including the movie, the hit movie Robots from 2006, which we could have covered today. A, a small part of me thought about bringing on that movie, and I was like, no, I actually want it to be about these two games because they are really important. And um, especially Chibi Robo, uh, which is just a such a cool game. And I know what you're going to ask me, Neil. You're going to ask, do you recommend any of these games to our fellow listeners? Well, uh, I I will say everyone should play Chibi Robo. Just please don't pay $400 for it if you can. <laughs> yeah. Find a way. Uh, you know, because you can, you know, if you have an emulator, Dolphin, whatever, uh, even Custom Robo doing the multiplayer, like Brian was saying way back, uh, it's like Custom Robo multiplayer looks like a ton of fun. I wouldn't recommend picking up Custom Robo today, but I definitely yeah. would recommend trying to find a way to play Chibi Robo. Definitely Chibi Robo is my choice of the two games today, but like you said, $400. I understand that video games, at the end of the day, it is a pretty expensive hobby. Like, it's tough to be a gamer and not spend any money unless you're downloading everything illegally, which, if a game is not available for you to download or to buy legally, then I think that downloading it illegally is probably fine. Like, really, what else, what other option do you have? And Nintendo's not going to see a cent of that $400 eBay sale anyway. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I'm going to keep an eye on that uh, miscellaneous A Tiny Tale yeah. on Switch, which is coming out later on this year. Uh, like I said with Kira check out that trailer because it looks like it's going to be really good it graphically looks okay like it's not going to knock your socks off with a story or anything but it looks like a neil game like it's you're a little robot exploring the big human world collecting stuff meeting little robots who have probably been long since forgotten uh i'm, I'm really stoked to play that one so keep an eye out for that one and uh, maybe check out the robin williams hit movie robots while you're at it too <laughs> is that robin williams yeah, Robin Williams is oh, in that movie. I didn't know that. Okay. He's not the main character. He's like the side character. He's basically playing the genie, but as a robot. So I just remember almost nothing about that movie other than like, I think Baba O'Reilly is like the original, like the initial music that, that comes on when the movie starts and that's it. Oh, and okay. I could be wrong. I could just be thinking about something else because clearly this movie made absolutely no impact in my life. It's like Shark Tale. Like, you remember it, but you don't remember anything about it. It's the same movie. Like, we're going to have to look up the plot when we eventually talk about that movie to uh, to remember and unlock all those beautiful memories from 2005 or whatever it was. But, Mike, what do you think the future of Custom Robo and Shibi Robo is? Like, do you think we're going to see these games come back to Switch as a reboot, as a remaster, as a port, as a sequel? What do you think? Uh, well, it's kind of hard and sad to say because, like we talked about, I... I don't see Nintendo putting any effort into this if they're not going to put effort into a lot of other franchises that they have dormant. You know, why would they go for these two franchises that sold horribly and that 
Uh, I mean, the fact that they even made an amiibo is pretty insane uh, to yeah. me. And the fact that it got a 3DS game, uh, which is, you know, not good, but they did something with it. Again, really weird that they did that. Weird decision. But yeah. I, I, I can't really envision them doing uh, Chibi Robo in the next couple of years. I could be completely wrong because it's got a, a huge fan base, Neil. Like, it's a very rapid fan base. They are very vocal. Uh, I see, I always, like Kira said, I always see Chibi Robo in every list, like even just Nintendo lists of mm-hmm. some of the best best games that, that no one has ever played. Uh, so maybe there's a chance that Nintendo will work on this, but I just, I don't see it. And I, I do see them, or I do see indie developers just basically taking the mantle and creating similar games like we see like with uh, Fast RMX. And then for Custom Robo, uh, same thing. I don't, I don't, I don't see uh, Nintendo going back into that space. It's just not worth it for them at all. At least Chibi Robo is a completely unique, you know, uh, genre yeah. to go into. Yeah, I, I think Custom Robo has a better shot at, like, just take that concept and, and give it a new name. Like, the name Custom Robo doesn't mean anything to anybody. No, like, no. Honestly, like, I, if you're a Custom Robo fan out there, like, I'm just being honest with you. Like, no one cares about the name Custom Robo. It, you can make it a new thing and and like. Roll it out like it's a new franchise. Just give it <laughs> I like your a new coat of paint. <laughs> <laughs> um, like just, just come on out with a robot. It's a robot, customizable robot game where you're battling against friends. These robots are are 30 centimeters tall, and that's the end of that. With Chibi Robo, I think we have the best chance of seeing it come back just because it is a Bandai slash Nintendo product. Bandai are doing super cool things these days since they have they have Smash Bros. under their belt. They have like the Dark Souls series, they publish those. So they have a lot of money to go back to these old franchises. And Cheapy Robo is one of those games that they can probably make for like a cheap under $100 million project and make it good. Like I think that if you put a, a Chibi Robo game out on Switch, it would sell like crazy. You and I are very active on a lot of GameCube groups out there and everybody is looking for a Chibi Robo game. Everyone posts when they find it. It's like the golden egg yeah. of the GameCube uh, library. It's almost like our Earthbound, if you will. Um, so definitely... Earthbound. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the best way to compare it to is 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 Earthbound. But uh, Mike, well, we're out there hunting down copies of Chibi Robo for four hundred dollars, <laughs> and Jake is out there eating DS cartridges of <laughs> Custom Robo. Why don't you let listeners know what they can expect next week on episode eighty-four of the GameCube is Cool podcast? On episode eighty-four, it is the Power Rangers and just a whole bunch of other games. Neil, I, I don't know how to what to call this episode. I'm calling it like Power Rangers slash action adventure slash miscellaneous uh and that's because there is a power rangers game on the gamecube power rangers dino thunder i rented this from blockbuster uh so to to bring it back full circle here (laughs) (laughs) uh so i do remember this game because obviously we were like anyone our age we uh had exposure to power rangers uh and so we will be talking about power rangers as a franchise as well uh, and there's also a couple other games like Dragon's Lair 3D, Dinotopia, Cow the Kangaroo 2, uh, Round 2. There's only one ca- Cow the Kangaroo. Round one. <laughs> it's not a – or Round 3. There's 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 multiple games. It's I don't know. It's a whole thing. So we're going to get into that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, stick around for that episode and uh, here's some nostalgia. Yeah, here's some nostalgia. Power Rangers are just like – the 90s nostalgia franchise really like i'm really excited to talk about it it was probably towards the end of the power rangers craze when you and i were just coming into our own mm-hmm. there's a lot of power rangers spin-offs but the original run was coming to an end i had an older brother that had all the action figures and the movies so i got to really know that first wave of power rangers uh, i remember dino thunder i remember lightspeed rescue and power ranger turbo 
There are so many different Power so Ranger many. variations, dude. I'm excited to talk about. Uh, and Cow the Kangaroo game. It's funny because I was just started doing a bit of research on that. That game's getting remastered and coming out <laughs> like this year. It's so weird how I was Perfect. looking this up. And just like Ty the Tasmanian Tiger, Cow is getting the exact same treatment of all games. So who knows? Maybe we're going to get to play some uh, some fighting kangaroo games uh, in the not-too-distant future. Who knows? But Mike, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to episode 83 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. If you want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon. We are at the GameCube Was Cool. If you want a free way to support the show, you can follow us on Instagram at the GameCube Pod. And then you can leave us a five-star rating or a review on whatever podcast service you listen to us on so we can make the show better. Share us with your friends and family. Tell the Sanderson family, Neil says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. Yes. No. Me, 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 me. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. Game.